We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Glad to have you guys with us today. Hey, we are at our, at our Marriage Family Life Conference, Marriage Family Life 22. Bobby's got to be by my hip. Got to be right beside me. And uh, we got Marty back at our headquarters across town running the board for us. We are about half a day in. We had a concert last night. We, uh, we've had a couple speakers this morning, and uh, we're going to continue on until tomorrow afternoon here uh, in Tupelo, Mississippi. And uh, for those who are listening and they're like, man, I just missed out on the conference. I didn't hear about it or I heard about it and didn't register. Uh, We have this once a year around June or July, late June, early July. So stay tuned uh, to American Family Radio and American Family Association in the coming months uh, as we head towards 2023. And uh, make sure you make it to uh, next year's conference. And just to give you guys a little backgrounder, about the conference. This conference, this is our fourth annual conference. We skipped 2020, uh, so we did uh, 2018, 2019, 2021, and here we are at 2022. So this is our fourth annual Marriage Family Life Conference. And what we aim to do here is we aim to bring families, and this is what makes it unique, is we bring families together, all right, to the conference. So you don't have to leave the kids at home. You don't drop the kids off and you stay at home. Everybody comes. And uh, we do worship together as families, and then we break off into what we call the Youth Apologetic Trek, uh, ages 4 to 17. And we break those out, and and we teach young children and teenagers apologetics, teach them how to defend their faith. Uh, And we allow the parents to sit in during the main sessions, and uh, they're also taught, and, uh, and, and, uh, and we speak to apologetics and, and other matters that are going on in the culture. So uh, that's a little backgrounder of the conference. The directors are uh, Mickey and Will, or Will and Mickey Addison, of airing the Addisons. There's our, there are directors. This was their vision some five-odd years ago uh, to have this conference. So here we are, 1,400 attendees uh, registered for the conference, and we're uh, just about a day in, a little less than that, here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, so next year, if you're listening and you and you really want to come next year, make sure you register. Uh, we'd love to get this thing up to 1,500, 2,000 people uh, here in attendance. It's a great time of fellowship and b- biblical worldview training. Well, let me cover our scripture before we jump in to some of the news stories today, and then we're going to have on uh, some special guests in the second and third segment here live with me at the Marriage Family Life conference. So you're going to want to stay tuned for that. We have Israel Wayne here in about 10 to 15 minutes. And then we have Brian Osborne in the last segment. So you're not going to want to miss those interviews. Psalm chapter 29 is where we are this week. Listen to these first few verses. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in his splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters and the glory. Uh, the God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord, this is verse 4. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of, voice of the Lord is full of majesty. And when you look at this word ascribe, verse 1 and 2, ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, 
Uh, in Greek, this word um, means uh, to convey or to attribute. So we convey or attribute what is due uh, the Lord. So as believers, we need to be sure not only that we understand who God is, but that we convey to God, that we attribute to God his rightful place, his rightful purpose in our lives. It's not that we are granting God authority or that we have any type of control over God, uh, but we simply need to recognize before the throne of God his goodness, his power, and his authority over our lives. That's a very healthy respect and admonition of the Lord. And as believers, we need to not hesitate uh, to give uh, God, to, to lend to God full authority over our lives and to recognize it on a frequent basis. So we need to submit to the Lord. We need to do so publicly. We need to do so within our families. Um, and it does. no one needs to doubt where our loyalty rests and uh, where our obedience, uh, who it rests with. So that's Psalm chapter 29. That's our scripture for the week. Well, I want to talk about three institutions because what we have here is we have our Marriage Family Life Conference, and so we're bringing in families, and we're hoping to build up families, all right? And so I'm going to talk a little bit this segment before we have our guest about the three institutions that God has ordained, all right? The three institutions that God has ordained because... You know, we think about the family, we think about government, we think about politics, and you think about the church, and, and sometimes we lose our understanding or we never get our understanding and fully understand, well, what has God ordained? You know, which institutions exist because of God, all right? There's a lot of institutions around the world, there's a lot of organizations, there's a lot of, you know, uh, entities that claim to have authority, that claim to have jurisdiction, but... Let's look at, at what God created, what God ordained. These are the three institutions that God created, that God ordained. The first one is the home, or let's call this, uh, for the sake of accuracy, the family. All right, so God ordained the family. All right, well, what is the family? Well, let's look in Scripture. All right, uh, you go back to Genesis all the way through Scripture. The family consists of a husband or father, mom, uh, or otherwise known as wife. So the husband and the wife uh, within the confines of a marriage covenant. And then, of course, from that, uh, Scripture tells us to be fruitful and multiply. That's within the marriage context. Then we have children. We have our offspring. We have children. And we raise them to become adults. Then they marry. They enter a marriage covenant. And then they repeat this cycle. And this can create generational uh, blessings, or it can create generational curses, depending on whether our our obedience, our loyalty, and our actions, our deeds, uh, honor God or not. So, so families can can tend or can trend either direction. They can either trend in the wrong direction against or away from God, or they can trend and, and submit themselves to God, which creates generation generational uh, blessings. So, the first institution that God created is. The family, that's why American Family Association exists to encourage, to uplift, and challenge families to embrace God's design for this institution. It's so very important. And we look across uh, the culture, we look across the world, and there's so many issues out there. And we like to lay the blame on government, or we want to lay the blame on this group of people. 
But folks, in reality, the vast majority of, of the problems that we face in society today, we're talking about moral problems, problems of sin, they, they, they originate from the family or, or the lack thereof, the lack thereof a family, a solid biblical family uh, unit. So when the family breaks down, that has a ripple effect out into the larger society. It has a ripple effect out into the, into the world as a whole. And so the first institution that God created, that God ordained, is the family. The second one that I want to mention, this is important, folks, government. Yes, God had a say on whether or not government should exist. So government is ordained by God. Government is God's idea, all right? So, so to, to try to secularize government, to try to act like government is this, you know, arbitrary authority that's, you know, some people should have, some people shouldn't. No, that's not, that's not biblical, all right? That may be a worldly view of it. Uh, but government is ordained by God. Does that mean government is always going to do good? Of course not. You can go throughout human history and look at governments that have that have uh, uh, committed or permitted evil. All right. You can go through history. You can probably actually find more governments that have uh, committed evil or permitted evil than those that have permitted righteousness and uh, and uh, and and promoted righteousness. But that doesn't mean that government. Uh, is inherently evil. I had a caller a few months ago. They called and said, well, uh, no, it wasn't a caller. I was at a conference. And uh, the speaker said, uh, said, government is inherently evil. And I was like, no, it's not. Government is not inherently evil. Humans are born into sin, and sometimes humans that operate in the government realm uh, do bad things. They do immoral things. But that doesn't mean government is inherently evil. Government was set up for good. All right, read Romans 13. Government was set up for good. Uh, so government is intended for good, set up for good, and uh, is to promote righteousness and punish evildoers. That's the clear role of government. So we've got to uh, bring government under the, under the obedience of Scripture, and it will, be, it, will be, it will serve a very good purpose if we do that. All right, the last institution that we'll talk about today before we wrap up this segment is the church, the body of Christ. You can read about this in Romans 6. Galatians 3, Colossians 1, all throughout Scripture, Acts 2, you can read about the church, all right, the body of Christ, the bride of Christ, and the role that it plays. And so those are the three institutions that God has ordained, that God has created. And if, if we work as believers, if we commit ourselves as believers to align these institutions and ensure that these institutions are aligned with God's Word and with God's will— they will serve as agents of good. They will. And things, things tend to go very well when we align ourselves with God's word and his command. So we've got to do this with all three institutions. We've got to do it with the family. All right, we've got to bring our families in line with God's word. We've got to submit ourselves to him. We've got to bring government and civil authorities under the, under the obedience and the instruction of the word of God. And then the church. We've got to bring the church and ensure the church may, remains tethered uh, to Scripture, to God's Word, and to God's will in our lives. And those three institutions can be used for good in this world if we do just that. Um, and uh, the, the last thing I want to wrap up with today on this segment before we jump to our guest in the next segment and the last segment is that we do not need— uh, a Scripture talks about not growing weary— in doing good. Do not grow weary in doing good because in due time you will reap 
that which you sow. And so as believers, we, we tend to at times, and I know people who do this, sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of it, but we, we take on a very fatalistic view of the world. We take on a very fatalistic view of the world. I had a caller a couple of weeks ago called in and basically said, you know, all is doomed and just get ready because uh, the end times are here. All right. And that's uh, that's a half truth there. It is it is true that we are in the end times, but we've been in the end times for a long time. <laughs> All right. There's there's previous generations that have thought the same thing. They've gone, wow, this is it. Like I'm, I'm looking up. Jesus is coming down right now. I see him. Um, but but folks, we cannot try to do what people in the past have tried to do. And that is try to time the return of Christ. All right, because Scripture says no man knows, only the Father knows uh, when final judgment will take place. And if you talk to even people that are still around previous generations, they'll say during World War II or our previous times of conflict on the world stage, other other Christians have said this is it. This is the end times that Scripture talks about. And, and w- what tends to happen there, folks, and here's the warning, is is we take that as as the cue to sit on our hands and do nothing all right it's a very fatalistic view it it weakens it it numbs the church and allows the church or or, or means the church is very ineffective in that time if we sit on our hands and do nothing because we claim that if that this is it it's the end all is doomed i'm just waiting to go to heaven scripture clearly says that we are to be salt and light well walker when are we to be salt and light forever we're to be salt and light forever, no matter where, how dark the times are or how bright the times are. We're here to be salt and light until Jesus returns, and then we will glorif- glory with him in, uh, in our glorified bodies. AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. Israel Wayne next on the core. You're not going to want to miss it. Stay tuned. Then Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a helmet of bronze on his head and clothed him with a coat of mail. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Forty days of twice-daily taunting from Goliath sent Saul and the Israelite army reeling in fear. But David's passion for Yahweh, conviction, and full persuasion stirred King Saul. When people are on fire for God, it often provokes others to glob on to that fire but we must be careful to resist the well-meaning overtures of the flameless bystanders. Saul meant well, but his armor couldn't help. It would only slow David down. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Has your girl ever found herself at an unplanned place in life? Maybe she didn't make the basketball team or had a big recital canceled or broke a bone and had to change hobbies or activities. Life's unexpected shifts can throw her for a loop. 
In Revelation 21.5, Christ says from his throne that he is making all things new. Not new like a different version of plans we already made. No, when Christ makes new, it has never been done before and its value lasts eternally. If your girl faces a surprise shift in plans and her expectations are dashed, remind her to embrace God's way of new, a way that might surprise her. His plan is rarely what we think it will be. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. You can learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to healthcare. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century, and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So, yeah, really, you could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio, where we're broadcasting live from our annual Marriage Family Life Conference. We've got a lot of families here. It's beautiful to see moms, dads. Uh, bringing their children, their youth, their teens, their young adults to the conference and all participating uh, together. And this is just, folks, this is just a glimpse into the work of AFA. We do uh, many other things. We provide many other resources year-around. So this is not just a three-day ordeal. Uh, We carry on our work uh, 365 days a year and hope to provide resources that help equip families to live godly lives, to raise godly children, that's our goal here at American Family Association and this Marriage Family Life Conference is just one of our many projects. Well, as I mentioned last segment, we have on with us Israel Wayne. Uh, he is an author, conference speaker, and he is the director of Family Renewal. Wayne, uh, Israel Wayne, glad to have you on. Thank you, brother. And this is, I know you were here last year. Is this your second or were you here even before that? This is my second year. We enjoyed it so much last year that we said we got to figure out a way to be able to come back and do this again. It's a, a, absolutely. a unique conference, but it's really fabulous. Yeah, and to your point, you know, many people that come, they, they keep coming. They keep coming back. So we hope to build that and hope, hope people have a good experience. Well, Israel, uh, I gave you a brief uh, title, but tell a little bit about your background, you know, where you start, where you came from, and, and how you get to where you are now. I grew up in a family that was involved in Christian publishing, so I've been in that my whole life and started doing conference speaking back in about 1995 and have uh, been traveling around the country uh, as an author and conference speaker, speaking at churches and family camps and conferences and seminars and all that for 
a uh, long time. And uh, one of the main, our ministry is called Family Renewal. So one of the main focuses that we have is helping to teach and equip parents to disciple their children. Because mm. um, there's so many forces within the culture that are attacking the family. that are especially seem to be after our kids, you yeah. know, and uh, it's a scary world out there. I hear people all the time saying it's such a scary world. I don't even know if we should be bringing children into this world. But, you know, yes. you, you mentioned this before the, the break. I mean, really, this is not a unique time in history. There have always been challenges throughout all of human history that every generation has had to face we're not unique in that that's right and so god's people have always had to find a way to how do we live as god's people in the midst of a hostile culture yeah that's exactly right and we need to be reminded of that because people want to go climb in their hole (laughs) bury their head in the sand and then peek over their shoulder and wait on jesus to descend onto earth and take us into final glory but we've got to stay on our feet we've got to stay fighting so speaking of that um You've been doing this for a while. What are you seeing from the time you first started your ministry? You know, you said back in the 90s, I believe, uh, to now. What, what are what are you seeing as far as the family makeup in America? Yeah, well, there's some changes. There's some challenges that I think are more intense now than there was at that time. Uh, one of the things that's ramped up significantly since that time is the overt attempt to sexualize children Mm. uh, at a very young age. Uh, You didn't have that going on in the 80s and 90s to the extent that we do now. Uh, You know, even corporations like Disney and and the government school system and, you know, places are just becoming increasingly aggressive at trying to confuse children, really, Mm -hmm. about their sexual identity. Uh, So that's a new, I won't say it's new, but it's an increased challenge that families are uh, facing. And then also just with social media, the internet, uh, screen time, digital media, uh, we had that when we were growing up. We had television, we had video games, but not like now. Sure. You know, and so one of the main things that I hear from parents is just the struggle of fighting the screens all the time and the information yes. flow that's coming in because, you know, sociologists tell us that young people are tuning into about seven and a half hours every day of digital media after school. Wow. And parents, That's after school. That's after school. And it's actually more than that. It's actually 10 and a half hours of content. Total. Because they're multitasking in a yeah. seven and a half hour time block because they've got more than one information stream coming mm. at the same time. Maybe 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 they're they're streaming a video and they got the radio in the background or something like Absolutely, that. Absolutely, yeah. They're texting their friends while they're watching, you know, something or on social media. So anyway it's it's crazy. And so I think that while the main uh, the main parenting focus is the same, that we have to find a way to disciple our children. Yeah. There are some challenges that are increasingly difficult for families on that front. Yeah, and, and, and it's interesting, but it's really backwards. But society oftentimes teaches us uh, culture. I'm talking, when I say society and culture, I'm talking about what's accepted, what's broad, what's, what's a trend. But we often hear... You know, they, they call us the helicopter parents, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is now a compliment. I take it is. But um, we get this we get this this whisper from society that, well, you know, you just need to let your kid be the kid uh, or they're, 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 let them be themselves. Let them uh, be independent. Let them explore and figure out their own path forward. Debunk that a little bit because that's not what Scripture says. Right. Well, Proverbs 22.6 is probably the most famous passage on parenting in the Bible. It says that we as parents are supposed to train our children in the way that they should go. And there's a society that wants to train them in a different way. Hmm. 
And we have to make sure that we're intentional. And one of the ways that we have to do that, and this is difficult, I don't want to pretend it's easy for parents, we have to find ways to buy back time. Because time equals influence. Yes. And if we want to have influence in the life of our child, we have to have access to them. We have to have time with them. Uh, the latest government statistics say dads spend 19 minutes a day with their children. Mm. And the average mom spends an hour a day. Yeah. And that, that attention is probably not direct attention. That could be shared attention. Right. That could be like, have you taken the trash out? Have you done your homework? When soccer practice? Right. right? As you're walking by. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so you've got 15 hours a day that most children are getting input through school and through multimedia. And then dads get 19 minutes a day. Yeah. We have to get time back on our side. And then yes. we have to figure out how do we make the most of that time so that we're being intentional and, and not just wasting those moments because they're so precious and they're so important. And we have to be in control. We don't we don't need to have this burden that, well, we've got to share our child with 30 different people or, or share our child with society. They're our child. Uh, we, until they're out of the household and paying their own bills, uh, we budget their time out, and we need to take control of that. You know, I, ha- I had a conviction, Israel, back just a couple weeks ago. I, I came home from work a little bit early, and I was going to pick some blueberries in my backyard, and I was going to go down by myself and leave my kids up at the house. I got four boys. Um, but I was like, why don't I take them with me to do this task? And they like to pick two. They, 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 they're still picking the ones that aren't ready yet, but that, <laughs> that's all right. It's fine. Um, you got, they got to be blue or purple. Um, but I was like, why don't I take them with me, and then maybe we can have conversation and teach them a few things. So we taught them about respecting their mother while we were down there picking blueberry bushes. But that's just one example of a way you take a task that maybe typically kids aren't involved in, but you include them and you disciple them while you're doing it. And what you're describing there is really Deuteronomy 6, where we're instructed that we're supposed to teach our children when we rise up in the morning, when we lie down at night. When we're sitting inside of our house or when we're walking outside of our house. Yes. And that really is a very comprehensive, fully orbed picture. Uh, and most of us can't do that, honestly, because our children aren't with us or they're, they've got their earbuds on and they're occupied in a screen. Mm-hmm. So, again, we have to find ways to intentionally disrupt that information flow that's coming, especially from harmful channels, but yeah. then to just create space to create those moments where we can have those conversations. And it sometimes takes children being around us for a long time before they'll even open it up and start talking about what's going on in their world. And you have to have that margin. You have to create that kind of space for those conversations to happen. Yeah, and, and you do, and you've got you've to you really start this at a very young age. You've got to start it at a very formative age uh, to where it becomes a norm in your household. Well, Israel, uh, let me, let's move on to another topic I want to discuss, and that is... What what do we do? Uh, so we've got the family unit. We talked in the first segment about uh, uh, God ordaining the family, the nuclear family or the biblical family. Uh, what, are, what are your other spheres of influence? I know we've got, uh, you've got education, you've got media, you've got public education. Uh, where are some other spheres that can be forces of good within the family unit? Well, I think one of the most untapped resources in America to have powerful influence for good in the life of children is grandparents. Mm. And people have never really thought about this, I don't think, but there's only two people groups in the Bible that God specifically commands to teach children. 
and, and this is going to surprise a lot of listeners, <laughs> but one is parents, mothers and fathers are both commanded by God to teach children. And the other one, most people say the church. Actually, that's not true. The church is never commanded to teach children. Mm. Uh, grandparents. And we see this in, in Deuteronomy, uh, where, Deuteronomy 4, where it says, teach your sons and your son's sons. So grandparents have a command of God to teach children, not in a replacing role, but in a supplementary role. And I think we've lost that sense of the, the wisdom of elders. You know, I think about Proverbs thirteen twenty that says, if you walk with wise people, you'll become wise, but a companion of fools will be destroyed. And so what I see is a lot of people who want their children to have a peer group of children their own age and spend lots and lots of time around children their own age. But we really devalue the importance of seniors and particularly the importance of grandparents within our generation. I think it's so powerful. I think grandparents have more power for influence than they could possibly imagine in the lives of these young people. Israel, is there, a, is there an, uh, an encouraging trend uh, across the family uh, that you're seeing? I really do. I think this conference is one of the best examples because you have people who are recognizing the need for them to come away as a family, uh, to not just send their children off to a youth conference, to not just go to a marriage conference, but to come as a family and have a shared experience. And this conference really has something for everybody. I just came from teaching a teen track where we're teaching apologetics, teaching teenagers how to defend their faith in the face of a hostile culture. And these young people are smart. They're sharp. They are engaged. Uh, they are feeding back with intelligent questions. It's really exciting to see what's happening. So I think one of the signs of revival, you know, that we're looking for is just to see, uh, as Malachi talks about there, in the end of Malachi, God turning the hearts of parents to the children, the hearts mm. of children to the parents. Yes, we're seeing that played out, and this conference is one of the the best thermometers or, or barometers of that. I mm. think, and and so this is a great thing. Again, as you mentioned, I think families need to to budget this in as something they do as part of their family vacation next year to, to make it as a family to go and get a spiritual recharge, not just an entertainment recharge. Amen. So, so true, Israel. Well, uh, your website is familyrenewal.org, but you have a ton of resources that you've been working on over the years. Tell us just a, a couple of ways that you are equipping parents with your ministry, Family Renewal. Sure. Well, one of my books is called Raising Them Up, Parenting for Christians, and it's really the 30,000-foot view about how we disciple our children. And, uh, you know, we have other books on parenting and and Christian life and how to uh, give them a biblical worldview and train them in apologetics. So, again, familyrenewal.org. I'd encourage anybody to uh, check that out. And then look up my name, Israel Wayne. I'm on social media. We'd love to connect with you wherever you happen to be on social media as well. Excellent. All right, we've had on with us Israel Wayne, a director of Family Renewal. The website is familyrenewal.org. If you're on the homepage, you'll see the little store tab uh, on the top right-hand corner, and you can scroll down and see all of, uh, of Israel's resources, the book you just talked about, Raising Them Up, and everything else to equip your family. Thanks, Israel, for coming on the show. Appreciate thank, that. Thank you, Walker. Appreciate it. All right. Israel Wayne, Director of Family Renewal. The website is familyrenewal.org. He's been here. This is his second uh, year to be here as a speaker uh, and as a contributor to the Marriage Family Live Conference. And that's another thing that makes this conference special is uh, we're not just this is not just all AFA personalities, although we do have that. Um, uh, Abraham Hamilton III is speaking, Miki Addison spoke, uh, and a couple other AFA, AFR personalities. But we're also bringing in, um, we're bringing in other ministries, all right? We're bringing in other ministries that, that are, uh, have a shared vision, have shared values 
with American Family Association. So uh, this is a joint effort headed up by American Family Association to help strengthen and encourage and build up families. And it, it, folks, it seems, I understand, I'm a dad, it seems like a daunting, challenging task to uh, give your family all of your attention and to equip and raise them up towards godliness. But folks, we've got to be striving in this direction. We have to be striving in this direction. There's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be periods where you think you're just not doing a good job, and maybe you're not, <laughs> but that's okay. Uh, there's going to be highs where you feel like, you know, my kids are really getting it. Our family's getting it. We're uh, we're bonded. We're, uh, we're, we're one family unit. We're on the same page. We have the same vision for where God wants to take us. Um, so there's there's highs and lows, but folks, we have to be we have to be striving towards the same thing, all right? We all have to be striving towards godliness and submitting ourselves to his kingdom, his ways, his purposes, and, uh, and his will. And where do, we, where do we understand? Where do we get his will from? The word of God, and we have to rely on the Holy Spirit to, to help us understand his word, his will, his ways. And uh, he'll do that. The Holy Spirit will do that if we ask, if we submit ourselves to uh, him. Well, once again, we're broadcasting live from our Marriage Family Life Conference. Glad to have you with us on the program today. Hey, by the way, we are going to, uh, we are recording this entire conference, the video. We're re- recording the entire conference, and then we're going to release it or publish it on our brand new streaming platform in the coming months, streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. That's where you'll be able to find MFL 22 Conference here in a few months, we'll make sure we make an announcement. You'll know that we're releasing it, we're publishing it. But if you want to watch last year's conference, we've got that video up on our streaming platform right now. We have it up on streaming.afa.net. Uh, you can go to the events tab on the streaming platform. MFL 2021 will be the name of the video. And you can go through each session, each speaker, and just do a deep dive on last year's conference and uh, as I mentioned about a week or two ago folks we are um, in the final stages of releasing our live streaming options so right now when you go to streaming.afa.net you can watch uh, uploaded content uh, pre-recorded uploaded content there on the streaming platform but what we're about to launch in the next I don't know probably two to four weeks is our live streaming option where you can watch the core live on our own platform. You don't have to go to Facebook. You don't have to go to YouTube. You don't have to go to Twitter. You can go to our platform, type in your username and password, watch the core live, watch the Hamilton Corner live and all the other shows on American Family Radio. So we're building that out and we're going to launch it in the next two to four weeks. So stay on the lookout for that. Brian Osborne's with us next segment. You're not going to want to miss that one either. Stay tuned. In Matthew 24, Jesus said that in the end days, persecution would increase. In 2022, the persecution of Christians is at an historic high, yet most people are unaware. Hello, I'm Sam Rohr, host of Stand in the Gap Weekend, heard Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. While we can pray for the persecuted, we can do more. Join me and Dee Dee Logason of Save the Persecuted Christians as we give the facts about worldwide persecution, Sunday from 6 to 7 p.m. Central Time. 
when you hear this. This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Hi, I'm Will. And I'm Miki. And we've been married 16 years. You know, one of the things that Miki asked me before we got married, she's like, why do you want to marry me? What is it about, about me? Really, the Lord had put on my heart that God was putting us together for destiny and for purpose and that he had a ministry that he desired to do through us that, you know, we were both ministering on our own, but together that God was going to, you know, use us to minister. There is no one who is closer to you than your spouse, and there is no one who knows you better, and this is by God's design. Marriage is the first institution that God has given us to to shape us and to mold us and to show us ourselves. It's a beautiful picture. Tune in to By Design as we explore God's true purpose and design for marriage. Just visit the podcast page at AFR.net. What the world needs now is love, sweet love. It's the only thing that there's just too little of. Not to disagree with the singer, but there's too little toilet paper, too little hand sanitizer, too little meat in grocery stores, and the list goes on. This coronavirus has the whole world in a tizzy. There seem to be shortages everywhere. But one thing there's not too little of is the good news that God is still in control and His love is limitless. Check out Ephesians 3, 18 and 19. People are lonely. People are looking for explanations. Now more than ever, they're searching for truth. What they need is Jesus. Yes, the world needs love. God's love. And yes, we as Christians are called to both show and share God's love. A reminder of good news from American Family Radio. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the Core here on American Family Radio. We're broadcasting live from our annual Marriage Family Life Conference here in Tupelo, Mississippi, and there's a lot of places we could do a conference. Well, we brought everyone to our national headquarters, the city of our national headquarters, and uh, we're trying to put Tupelo on the map, folks. Elvis put us on the map, and we're Amen. trying to put us on the map again uh, here in Tupelo, Mississippi. So here we are at our Marriage Family Life Conference. We have on with us now Brian Osborne. He's been on the show before, actually, to promote the conference back about a month or two ago, and he's on with us again. He's with Answers in Genesis. He's a speaker and an author. He'll be uh, presenting here at the conference as well. Brian, welcome to the Corps. Hey, it is great to be here. Truly is. It's funny to see. It's fun to watch everybody walking around. Everybody's so engaged. I've seen quite a few Elvis statues. <laughs> out there, but, You're uh, going to see that. Some murals. <laughs> quite a few. Well, y'all, uh, first time to Tupelo? Or? It is. Yeah. Awesome. Glad to have you here with it's us. It's good hey, to be. A little hot, but good. Yeah, it's it's a hot, hot day in Mississippi, but we'll make it through. Thankfully, we're inside. <laughs> hey, uh, Brian, I want to pick your brain on a topic. You know, we could... Uh, we could talk about a lot of different things, but the the uh, apologetics, of course, is one of our focuses here at the conference. Yep. And it, it's really, 
when you talk about apologetics, you can go a lot of different directions there in Scripture. But I want to talk about creation. I want to talk about God's creation. And, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times I'm watching television. And I'm, I'm a history guy. I like, you know, a little bit of Nat Geo, a little discovery. I like to, you know, learn about how things began, you know, how this building was built, how this country was built, so on and so forth. Right. But oftentimes, Brian, when I'm watching these documentaries or these series, they're like, I hear the speaker go, well, uh, you know, this uh, this mountaintop has been here for 7 billion years, you know, and they just do it so confident and in passing, and they use no caveats. They're not like, sure. you know, so, some scientists think that they're like, this has been here 7 billion years, and I'm like, we don't even know, like, how long that car's been in the parking lot, but you want to tell me, you know, that that mountain's <laughs> been here 7 billion years. It's so That's ridiculous. Right. Yeah, but yeah. Th- there's no caveats. There's no, you know, anyway. Yeah, it, it's spoken. It's assumed, it's, assumed it's spoken mm-hmm. of as absolute truth, and no right. one can question it. Uh, but as working for Answers in Genesis, give us a little background, or as far as the creation account, and why so many so, so-called scientists get it wrong. Yeah, there's a really big confusion amongst so many between what you might call operational science and then historical science. All right, and so what happens is people kind of conflate the two, and so operational science would be what you think of when you think of science. It's doing experiments, getting results, accumulating knowledge from that, and then making stuff from that knowledge. Technology, medicines, advancements, so forth. That's real science. It's observable, testable, repeatable, and falsifiable. It is scientific, mm-hmm. thus the scientific method. So that would be observational science. And then there's another branch you might call historical or origins science. And that's when it's more like CSI. It's like you weren't there, you didn't see it happen, so you look at clues in the present to try to make a guess about what you think occurred in the past to bring about what you're looking at, right? Mm. So if you ever watch one of the CSI shows, you know, they come on the crime scene, the crime's already done, but they're looking at the blood spatter, looking at the weapon on the floor, and they're trying yeah. to put all the clues together, and then, you know, is the blood hardened yet? Uh, how long has it been here? I mean, all those things, try to make a good guess of what took place. But, of course, here's the problem with that. And if you ever watch the shows, you know this to be true. <laughs> if they come into the crime scene and they have some wrong assumptions about the crime scene or they're missing some key evidence, they can get some really wrong interpretations about the crime scene. Yeah. And typically the, the whole premise of the CSI show is that they think, oh, all the evidence points to that guy. He did it. And, and sometimes it. multiple detectives disagree on the right? theory. Oh, yeah. And so they're all pointing that. And then by the end of the show, what happens? You get this grand reveal of a piece of evidence that wasn't there, or there's an eyewitness account who then clarifies their mistakes in, the, in their interpretations, yeah. right? And so that is much more like historical science. Now, historical science is when you're trying to figure out what happened in the unseen past to bring about the world we see today. And people need to realize that all the evidence exists in the present and must be interpreted with some assumptions about the past. Yeah. And like that CSI illustration, if you have the wrong assumptions about the past, you have the wrong worldview, then you'll get the wrong conclusions. And so when it comes to history, many scientists today embrace a naturalistic, materialistic worldview. They assume and they demand that you can and must explain all things with only natural processes. Yes. So they interpret all things through that naturalistic grid to get their conclusions. It's not that they're dumb. They're smart. It's their wrong assumptions about history that give them the wrong conclusions of millions of years and so forth. And so understanding that key difference between what you can observe and then what's actually being interpreted based on your assumptions is fundamental. So if you if you throw God out of your process from the get-go, then there's it's it's nearly impossible to wind up with a biblical worldview. Correct. And that's, and that's a really good point in the sense of 
when someone says there is no God, or I won't use the Bible or biblical worldview to explain our origins, please note they're not being neutral, mm. right? Taking they're, a side on the front end. Right, and, yeah. and here's the thing, nobody can be neutral, right? Either God is your authority, either the Bible is your authority, and you trust it amid your thinking from there, or if you reject the Bible, what are you left with? Hmm. Man's ideas yeah. as your authority. Yeah, and some apologists that we know, uh, Jay Warner Wallace, others, uh, they, 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 were, they were pagans, they were unbelievers, but, but they went into Scripture with a genuine uh, sense that they wanted to get to the bottom of it. And, the, the, and many of those uh, once unbelievers, when they went into it, not discounting God from the get-go, not discounting Scripture, many of them ended up turning into be believers because That's they sure. looked at the evidence from a partially neutral uh, viewpoint or, uh, or an open viewpoint, and they ended up believing in God and His Word. Uh, so absolutely. Uh, so they didn't they didn't discount Scripture and God from the beginning. Uh, but that's so interesting. You know, it's so interesting that people want. They don't want to describe anything from supernatural sources or in a supernatural sense. And to your point, if that's the case, you're never going to come to the conclusion that God is the creator and the author of life. Well, it's so interesting, too, because when you look at the evolutionary worldview and the evolutionary beliefs, they believe some very unscientific things, and they're willing to hold on to those because they want evolution to be true because if evolution is true, then there is no God. You can still be your own moral authority. Yeah. Here's what I mean. For evolution to be true, you would need everything to come from nothing, right? Nothing <laughs> explodes and makes everything. It goes against the first law of thermodynamics, yeah. right, which says we've never seen something come from nothing. Never. For evolution to be true, you need to get order out of chaos. Yeah. Well, that goes against the second law of thermodynamics, which says uh, you don't get order out of chaos. You just get more disorder over time, mm. right? Things run down. Uh, for evolution to be true, you've got to get life from non-life. Roughly four or three and a half billion years ago, four and a half billion years ago on the planet, we've never seen life come from non-life. Never. It goes yeah. against multiple scientific laws. According to evolution, for evolution to be true, you need all the information inside living things, uh, information inside DNA. That information must come from inanimate matter. Mm. Well, multiple laws in science tell us information always comes from a mind. Yeah. Now, once you, have the, if it, once you have the information, you can make copies of it, but its origin is always a mind. And I could go on, but you get the idea. Sure. All those things are scientific that evolutionists must reject to embrace evolution. Yeah. And so what's their answer? How do they get around that, all these problems? They say, well, nature found a way. We just haven't figured it out yet. Yeah. But notice they're appealing to unknown forces to try to save their theory. They're appealing to something outside of nature as far as they can tell. They're actually appealing, in a sense, to something supernatural. <laughs> that they don't submit themselves mm. to. You know, Brian, uh, one area where all these scientists who want to claim that they know what happened 7 billion years ago um, and, and they want to discount God and his word and his, uh, and his, and his, and his uh, will in our lives, they are silent. MIA missing in action on the life issue, the life issue before our very eyes, and that is when does human life begin? Human That's life right. beginning at conception. And you would think that we could come to a consensus as a society and as a world that human life begins at conception and should be protected uh, as such. But it seems, Brian, that so many of these secular atheistic scientists are nowhere to be found on the life issue. Well, you know, Ideas have consequences, and bad ideas have victims. And if you think about it, in the evolutionary worldview, what are we? We're an accident, mm. right? We are just yes. rearranged pond scum. We're chemicals fizzing, 
right? Yeah. And one day, the chemicals will stop fizzing, we'll be done, and we'll cease to exist, right? As Bill and I believe, and many others. Yeah. And so, in their worldview, we're just another animal. We're a happy accident. We're glad to be around. Try to make the world better. For what reason? They don't really know, but they think we should, <laughs> right? And then you. That's die. a selling argument, right I know, there, right? Man. <laughs> I'm getting excited. <laughs> but so, in their worldview, you know, what is the baby in the womb? Well, it's another just chemical reaction that mm. if it's in my way, if it's if it's actually inhibiting my freedom to what I desire, what I want, my autonomy, then I should be able to get rid of it. Like I get rid of a fern if it's not good in my house anymore because yeah. that's all it is. Wow. And so you can see where that thinking goes. If you think about Hitler, by the way, an extreme example, but Hitler loved evolution and he's, he just applied it. He said, you know, hey, listen, humans are evolving. Mm. I think these humans are better. So to help humanity out, let's get rid of the other one, the bad one, so the better humans can take over. Right? Try, to, we'll take keep the, try to take the place of God. And that's, he is, mm. and that's evolutionary ideology, and he's just applying it in a practical sense. And so that worldview, it's rooted in man's ideas, which are going to be faulty, and it leads to horrific consequences on multiple levels, including the life issue. And so within the biblical worldview, though, again, either God's word is your authority or man's word is, biblical worldview, we know that it is a human being made in God's image from fertilization. Hmm. God says, I knew you in your mother's womb. Multiple verses in the Bible. Jeremiah. Song, right? Oh, Jeremiah yeah. 1, five. Bef- I knew you before. Before, right? <laughs> I, I love, love that verse, right? Yeah. Before I formed you, I knew you. And so in the mind of God, life begins not only at fertilization, but from eternity past. Yeah, because he's all-knowing. He's all-knowing, That's right. present, and he's eternal. So... You know, in the biblical worldview, we can say definitively, this is when life begins. Now, by the way, real science will back that up. Absolutely. Right? Uh, at fertilization, you get a brand new combination of DNA never before seen, never to be seen again, mm. right? Totally separate from the mother's genome and the father's, a unique individual made in God's image. Real science backs that up. But the authority ultimately is God in his word. Yeah, you know, Brian, I pulled up an article a couple months ago from uh, uh, a page on Cleveland uh, uh, Cleveland Clinic's website in Ohio, very reputable, been around for over a century. And uh, even they, they're a secular you know, health institution, uh, hospital system, and uh, they, they say that the first term starts at zero weeks, starts at fertilization. Look at that. Um, and they talk about how the heartbeat begins at about three to four weeks. It's amazing. you got hands, you got eyes, uh, or the beginning of hands and eyes. Um, and that's a, that's, a, that's a Cleveland clinic. And then they go on on their website later to talk about how, how abortions should be permissible. Um, so it's, it's very, very contradictory. But even many doctors and scientists say y'all know when life begins. I'll give you this. So... On Answers News uh, a couple of days ago, we covered an article about a, a writer from a popular news source who's arguing that the pro, pro-death pro camp, the pro-murder camp, the pro-abortion camp, they should actually just admit that, yes, when you are having an abortion, you're killing a baby. They should, they should just admit that because it is pretty obvious, right? Mm, yes, and very they, obvious. And they feel like, you know, since they're trying to fight against that, that obvious observation, that weakens their argument. So they should just be willing to say, hey, you know what? It is killing a baby, but I have a right to kill that baby for mm. my own uh, autonomy, for what I want to do because of what I want. Hey, right? that would be the truth. Even though it's it immoral, would be, that would be the truth. It would be a horrific truth, but it would yeah. be the truth, you know. And so, but they understand. The point is they get it. Yes, it is a life. It is yeah. human being. We know biblically that person's made in God's image, and that's why they have inherent indelible value. That's right. Brian Osborne, Answers in Genesis. Hey, Brian, if they want to read more about your work and about the ministry of AIG, where do Absolutely. they go? So they can go to answersingenesis.org. That's just answersingenesis.org. Go on the website there. You'll find lots of great articles from many different speakers, authors, writers from the ministry. We have the attractions in northern Kentucky, the Creation Museum, the Ark Encounter. Yes. Uh, biggest Christian-themed attractions in the world. I'm biased, but they are incredible. <laughs> yeah, all I've, right. heard, I've heard good Come things on, about it. Come on, check them out. we got to get you down there. I know, been yet, all I know. Right? 
Uh, but uh, no, they really are wonderful. And you'll, I tell people all the time right now, you know, with the way Disney is pushing their woke ideology, what a great time to take your family somewhere that is incredible. The work yes. is so well done. It's world class, but also teaching biblical truth. You'll be encouraged, you'll be edified, you'll be challenged. Your family will be equipped, and you'll have a great time doing it. There's Amen. a Christian alternative Amen. to Disney World. There you it's go. in Kentucky. Raise it's called Creation Museum and the Ark <laughs> Encounter. Hey, thanks, Brian, for coming Absolutely, on. Absolutely, Brian. Appreciate, Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, Brian Osborne with AIG, Answers in Genesis, Apologetics, Creation, uh, Defense, so on and so forth. Very good ministry there. Uh, headed up by Ken Ham, uh, they do excellent work complementing the body of Christ, building, equipping the body of Christ. And folks, um, you know I'm from Mississippi when I keep saying folks. Thanks, Brian. Um, but it's so, so refreshing to know that there are like-minded ministries, that there are like-minded believers all around this country, all around this world. So we don't need to be discouraged. We don't need to be down and out. We need to be encouraged. We need to continue to uh, fight the good fight. We need to continue to stay devoted to God's Word and uh, obedient to His Word. And that's what we're doing here at American Family Association and American Family Radio. And this has been uh, the core. We're at our Marriage Family Life Conference 2022. As I mentioned just a little bit ago, uh, we are going to make this conference available online in video format on our brand-new streaming platform, streaming.afa.net. It'll be out published in the next few months, we'll be sure to do an announcement on that on the core and on other platforms so that you know when this conference is available online. You can watch last year's conference right now on the streaming platform, streaming.afa.net. This has been a special edition of the core broadcasting live in Tupelo, Mississippi from our national, uh, the city of our national headquarters right across town at a conference center uh, at the Marriage Family Life Conference. Well, it's been good to be with you. We've had Israel Wayne with FamilyRenewal.org. We've had on with us Brian Osborne with Answers in Genesis, two great apologist speakers and uh, Christian um, Christian activists. Thank you so much for being on with us. We'll see you next time on AFA at the Court. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio. Faith. Family. Freedom. American Family Radio. AFA Action Alerts. When you subscribe, we'll notify you once or twice a week about a critical issue facing our country. AFA Action Alerts have been very successful in influencing legislation, as well as getting positive results from America's Fortune 500 companies.